The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. And if you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button on this video. And any other platform, your five-star rating and review are a great way to support the show. Thank you for your support. Today's episode is going to be a little more philosophical. And so that's your warning up front. If you like the philosophical type episodes, then this one might be for you. And if you're interested more in the explicit detailed investing piece, then you can move on to the next episode or read one of the backlog, listen to one of the backlog episodes. But I think this is going to be useful content. I don't know how long this episode will be um, because my idea is fairly short. But we'll see how many examples I need to bring up to make my point. What I want to talk about today is the difference between being right and useful for investors, or the difference between that which is true and that which is useful. I think that among the investment community, there's a lot of questions and thoughts and time spent around determining the correct way to do something, the correct way to value a company, the correct way to calculate um, various accounting metrics like return on equity, that return on capital, return on investment. And that there is, a, it's basically a common question. There's frequently asked questions around this. There's people that want to know what is the right way to do something. And it's not that this is a bad question. In fact, it's a good question. It's good to understand the correct way to do something. But the piece that I think is most important for investors to understand is that there's a difference between the right way to do something and a useful way to do something. It's quite possible that there is a gap between something that is the correct way of doing something, but simply because there is a correct way to do something does not mean that is the useful way to do something. And I think valuing a company is a very interesting way to talk about that. The correct 
accurate way to value a company is to perform a discounted cash flow analysis. It's to calculate and estimate the cash flows that you as an investor will receive every year between now and infinity, off into the future until the business is closed or liquidated. That is the accurate, correct way, um, the technically correct way to calculate the valuation of a company. Now, but of course, there's tons of problems with that. There's all sorts of assumptions you use into that. You're trying to estimate future cash flows. You're basically predicting the future. And every little piece of estimate you put into that has the potential to be wrong. Which is why I have a whole episode on the Gordon Growth Model in in the past um, podcast feed. And that's in episode 87 if you want to learn more about that method of valuation. I have other methods of valuation too. But the idea being that you want to simplify as much as possible the assumptions you use to to go into valuation because the more complicated it is, the more likely you're going to have junk in equals junk out. So it's an example of how just because there's a right way to do something doesn't mean it's the useful way to do something. When you're valuing a company, you don't actually care what the value of a company is. You don't need to know what the value of a stock is before you buy it. All you need to know is that the value of the stock is above the price that you're paying. And that ideally, it is substantially above the price that you're paying. So what matters is not the precise value that you come up with. What matters is the gap between the value and the current price and the directionality between those that basically you're buying below value, which is key as a value investor. And that for your margin of safety, you want a significant magnitude of that gap. So anything that helps you determine that you're on the correct side of the value when you make the price and that helps you determine that there is a significant magnitude between those numbers is useful. Everything after that is not useful. It might get you closer to the right answer, but it's not going to help you get closer to a useful answer. And this is very important because a lot of the talk, a lot about the talk about about formulas that are used to calculate various things, whether it's valuation, returns on capital, um, anything that investors like to do, trying to decide between the different qualities of certain businesses, whether you should invest in this type of business or that type of business, tend to start from the point of asking, what is the correct way of doing something? And I want you to move on from thinking about What is the correct way to what is the useful way? This is one reason, one of the things that, you know, people might get bogged down into the weeds and is like, what's the correct way to calculate the expense of share-based compensation? I've talked about that before on the podcast and it's kind of complicated. There's multiple ways you can calculate it. The point is not that you need to be accurate. The point is to understand that shareholder ba- share-based compensation is a negative for you as an investor, and you need to punish the company's valuation in some way. Or you need to simply move on to other companies that don't have the same share-based compensation problem. And this is my favorite answer. Um, whether it's people asking me about companies and how to how to value them or to look at them or, or I see questions asked of other investors online 
or on other podcasts, you get into these very deep discussions of how you handle this problem. What about this very specific situation on, you know, what do I do with amortization of intangibles or what do I do about um, capitalizing R&D? And all of these are important questions that you need to understand when you're really looking at a company. And if you want to get the right answer, you need to know them. But you don't need the right answer to build a portfolio. You see, what the difference is... Yeah, so so one of the, the questions I was asked recently was about this idea of, you know, how do you handle goodwills and intangibles with acquired companies? And it's a great question. It, it matters. And so basically, you can calculate... Um, the return on investment, including intangibles, or you can calculate return on investment without intangibles. And both of those are effective methods. One helps you understand the underlying fundamentals of the business, which is where you ignore the intangibles. And the other one helps you understand the fundamentals of the business based upon a management that is acquiring companies. But there's an alternative. There's a simpler way of doing this. There's a simpler way of understanding it. And that is simply to discard from consideration any company where this is required effort. So you see there's tens of thousands of companies out there in the world. Some of them choose to continuously acquire other companies. Well, if we use our mental model of base rates, well, the base success rate on acquisitions from the data I've seen, is less than 20%. So that means in less than 20% of the ac- of acquisitions is the acquiring company getting the better deal. Which means companies that repeatedly acquire other companies in order to grow have a low probability of successfully adding economic value through those decisions. Does that apply to all companies? No. Some companies are really, really good at this. But the problem is, is you don't need to determine which ones are good at it and which ones are bad at it. You can just reject all those companies and focus on companies that are easier to evaluate. You see, your goal as an investor, or let's not talk about your goal. Let me talk about my goal because your goal might be different. But I think there's value in understanding my goal. You see, my goal as an investor is not to be the most accurate in my calculations or to do things the quote-unquote right way. My goal is to make money. And sometimes the right way technically leads you to make worse decisions. It's important to recognize when that can occur. There's a technically right way to calculate the value of every different company, and there's certain industries that require different types of calculations. You don't need to learn all those. What you need to do is find enough companies that you can value and that you can buy that meet your investing criteria, and then you buy them and you put them in your portfolio. And the average person listening to this podcast is probably going to have a portfolio somewhere between five stocks and 30 stocks, or five stocks and 50 stocks. Um, With the amount that I talk about the value of concentration on this podcast, I would be surprised if there's many people with a portfolio greater than 50 stocks that continues listening, but there's certainly value that can be had for having that type of portfolio. But let's say you need 30 stocks. There's 30,000 publicly traded companies in the world. That means you need less than one out of every thousand companies 
is all that you need to meet your investing criteria. That's 0.1% of the investing universe is all that you're investing in. You can eliminate one out of every thousand companies you look at and still fill your entire portfolio. Now, most people don't eliminate that many companies, but if you're not eliminating a lot of companies in your process, you're probably not being stringent enough. You're probably not taking away the lesson that I talked about in my last episode, episode 95, when I talked about building conviction in an idea, building up the conviction by looking at a full checklist of everything you want. It's really easy to, when you spend time on a company, you want to understand it, you want to value it, and now you've invested mentally into that company, which leads you to be more likely to invest monetarily in the company. But that's where it's important. Your goal is not to be right. Your goal is to make money. So if you want to be super conservative and you want to say, I think this company is going to grow 3% a year, but it ends up growing 7% or 8% a year, and that's what the analysts are predicting, that's okay. You don't need to invest in that company. If you're 100% sure, let's let's not use 100%. If you're 95% sure that a company can grow 3% a year forever, that's a pretty reasonable number to put into your calculations. It's a lot better than using a number that you're only 51% sure about. Even if it means you miss out on investing in that company, because eventually you're going to find a company that meets your requirements. You know, I think a good example of this where the technically wrong way is actually the best way to do something is Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. If you're not aware of Dave Ramsey, he's a personal finance um, radio host, podcaster um, who helps people get out of debt. That's his primary focus. He's very good at helping people get out of debt. Well, his concept of a debt snowball means that you pay off your smallest debt first, even if it has the lowest interest rate. Now, this is precisely the technically wrong way to do it. But if you were to look at Dave Ramsey's method and say, this is the wrong way to do it, you're failing to understand that it may be the wrong technical way to do it, but it's way more effective psychologically to have less bills to be paid every month, even if it means you're paying off lower interest rate debt first. And that psychological benefit can overpower the rational part of your brain, and it can actually be more effective than the technically right way to do things. The same is true as in in investing. Sometimes it's important to get the psychology right, to get the temperament right, to get to build your portfolio and build your investing style around how your brain works, how your emotions work. Instead of focusing on the literature that it tell you how you should invest, it's really difficult to tell any individual how they should invest because everyone's different. The important thing is that you figure out what works for you. It doesn't matter if that's not the technically right way to do things or the technically highest returning strategy. What matters is the strategy that you can stick with. One of the um, investors that I like to follow on Fintwit is a value stock geek, and he recently wrote about this idea that he's changing the way he invests because during COVID, he recognized that the strategy he was going with was hard for him to stick with. And so he's moving to a different strategy that will be easier for him to stick with, even if it 
might have a lower returning potential. Now, I tend to think that by doing that, he's going to end up with even higher returns because he's made, he's chosen a strategy now that he can stick with. And that's what's important. What's important is what works. What's important is what allows you to make money. So although it's an important step in the investing process to ask these questions, to understand how things should be done and the, how things, the technically right way to do things. And I encourage investors to reach out to me and ask me those questions. It's fine. I like responding to them. It helps me clarify my own ideas. That's good to do, especially for the ones that are going to hear this and say like, hey, that was the question I asked, Trey. Well, great. I'm glad I could help you. The next step is to really understand what's the useful thing that I need to do. Because where you want to get to eventually is you want to understand the right way to do things, but you also want to understand when it's important not to follow those rules. You want to understand where to move away from the beaten path. And that's going to be when you fully have mastered the material. Have you mastered the understanding of investing? Is when you can say, you know what? I understand that's what people say or, or that maybe I should use a larger number, but I'm comfortable doing this. And I think this is the more useful way to look at it. And when you get to that point, I think you're in the right space. When you really understand this difference between that which is useful and that which is true or that which is right and accurate between that which is useful. What I try to do is I try to provide a useful podcast. I want to be instructive and educational and provide you with useful information. You may have noticed if you're a longtime listener to the show that my content does not necessarily follow the standard podcasting content for investors. I'm not bringing on interviews every single week with a different fund manager to talk about their investing process because I don't consider that as useful. But I do bring on the people that I think will add useful information to you, will help you understand how to value a business, have interesting ideas about how that works in order to inspire you because I think that's important. But what I want to do is I want to provide the useful information and provide a useful podcast instead of simply focusing on all the things that I'm supposed to talk about. I like doing those podcasts. I like doing those talks talking about, like, this is how you do evaluation. This is how you evaluate the quality of a company. Those are very important. But you also have to have these more philosophical podcasts because it shapes the framework in which your mind works. Charlie Munger talks a lot about um, using mental models to be a good investor. And you need to have a generalist understanding of the world in order to be a good investor. And that's how I think about it. So I want you to have this general understanding of what it means to be an investor, what it means to make useful and right decisions as an investor, because that's going to help you make money. Because that's where my goal is, is I want to make money. I don't want to worry about all the technical little details that can cause me to lose money. Because you can get the technical details right and lose money. Or you can just focus on that which is useful and make money. Now, this is not an either or. This is not an absolute thing. You can do both. But you need to understand the difference. Because a lot of the talk that I see in mainstream media around investing is about that which is true and that which is right. But I hope to provide you with the information of that which is useful. So, 
If this show has been useful, the full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at DIYinvesting.org slash episode 96. This is common. I always have my links available where DIYinvesting.org slash the episode number. Um, please remember this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at DIYinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.